from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jen Reichert, I'm a writer. Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor and a writer. Tim Davis, I'm an actor and a writer. And Kit Lavoie, I'm a writer and a director. Uh, today we are doing the fifth and final part of our playwriting series. Uh, we've already done episodes on uh, preparing to write, writing your first draft, getting feedback on your writing, and rewriting. And today we're going to talk about being the playwright in the room during rehearsal. Uh, Playwriting is often a relatively solitary task, and once you go into either a workshop of a play or rehearsals for a production of a play, it suddenly becomes a much more collaborative experience with many more people having to do with the play and working on it with you. Among our playwrights, I think we not only have written plays that have been done, but I think among us we also have produced and designed and directed and acted in uh, many new plays. And I think we are going to be able to uh, talk to some degree from that perspective of not only what is it to be the playwright in the room, but what does an actor or director or designer or producer look for from the playwright in the room. So uh, let's start off with a a very basic question, which is kind of how we've started each one of these episodes about our processes, which is how do you know that it's time to move into this phase of the process? How do you know when you've written a play that, to start out with, it's ready for a workshop or a reading? Well, I think there are two different ways that you can know that it's time to do something. One is internal that you feel like it's ready to do something else with and you can try to make that happen for yourself either by submitting it places or producing it yourself and the other way is if you happened to submit it before it was done and it was accepted and they have decided to produce you even though you are still working on the play uh, you might produce it even if you don't know that it's completely finished yet. So if you had a, like if you were commissioned to write a play, that might be an external reason. Like you've already been asked to write a play, so it's going to be produced and it's going to that phase even though it's not complete yet. I would say most of my determinations about whether I think a play is ready for for the next step of, of the process in terms of collaborating is I'll usually have a couple of very close um, colleagues that will read my work and when I feel like the major the major themes or the, the major ideas that, that inspired me to write the play are starting to come across and you know I always expect notes from my colleagues but when those notes shift into things that seem specific to the world of the play and the things that I want to get across about the world of the play and become less about how I have executed uh, the play as a playwright. It's less structural things that would apply to any piece of work, you know, problems that may be there structurally. Once we've moved from sort of the, the problems with the play in general 
phase to more here's the things that you know we specifically should hone in on and address i feel that it's, it's ready for a, that next phase of the process yeah uh, we've talked about in in all of the previous episodes that uh, you know i or i have talked about that i really do like to have a process where as i'm writing i'm getting feedback as i go and we certainly have our workshop group here at cry havoc that's designed to do exactly that and i do think there really is something to you can begin uh, by doing that, you can begin to know where your play stands because the nature of the notes you're receiving yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. And that people begin to talk about how the play would live on stage rather than questions of logic and understanding what the character is doing and, and, and understanding why the action moves the way the action lives. That once it becomes questions of how would this play, mm-hmm. how are you going to do this, Will the audience be able to follow this when it's happening in real time in front of them? Those are things that you can't uh, answer on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be a time when you're ready to move on to the next phase, whichever one it is. But I really, I do think, you know, it, there is a lot that you can do, and we've talked about it in the earlier episodes, on paper. And I think that there's, and getting feedback on what's on that paper. And I, I am a, a really big believer in making the most out of a workshop or a production by being sure that you have answered all of the questions you can answer on the page before you start mixing it up uh, with other actor with actors and directors so that the actors and directors are really working with the logic and the background information and all of that stuff that you want them to be working with mm-hmm. and i also think that the thing for me about specifically a a workshop or a reading is to be sure that I know why I want to do it. Um, that it's not just, I want to work with some actors on this play, but that the reason I would want to go into a workshop or do a reading rather than try to go directly into production um, is because I have things that I don't know for sure how they will function. Theories always, but I don't know for sure how they're going to function once an actor and a director and potentially designers get involved. Um, And so I will want to know why I'm doing that workshop. Um, Do you guys have thoughts actually along those lines of the difference between knowing that it's ready for a workshop and knowing that it's ready for production? It's interesting because I always feel like whatever the first the first version of doing the play for the audiences is a workshop even though it may be a production because there's the opportunity to rewrite after the production unless it's being done in a setting where it might the result of the production might be a publication but that's usually bigger bigger productions might do that might have some sort of publishing deal part of part of the production but uh and even then very often I mean, virtually always, you have the opportunity to do revisions for the mm-hmm. published version. Yeah, yes, because so. they do that even for like big Broadway shows that they have iterations even after it's been produced there. So I suppose it's always possible to change it. But I think adding in the audience, adding in your collaborators, is what makes this the next step of the process. But to me, adding in the other collaborators means that it's ready to add in the final collaborator, which is the audience, and how they perceive your play, what they get out of it, how what their questions are, is the next step of feedback for me. And 
if, if something doesn't land, if something doesn't make sense, if people laugh where I think they should be heartbroken and it's not nervous laughter, you know, like I, I feel like that it's kind of always a workshop, even if it's a production. But sometimes I definitely know, like, I don't understand if this character section works like this person comes into the play and I don't know if they really should because it's like a totally different tone like I I know that there's something specific that I'm looking for with the audience and the and the collaborators so usually I I, I think that there's a workshop always to be done first I agree that I feel there's always a workshop to be done first I, I feel like it's always ready for whatever the next step mm-hmm. of of, of that collaboration is when the previous step has been has been thoroughly exhausted uh, in terms of, of what all of the potential goals you can get out of that previous step. I'm always surprised, and I think you know any, any writer with ambitions to to see something move forward into a public realm, it, there's a temptation to oh you know I, there's a secret hope of oh, maybe this is good enough to skip a workshop, maybe it's good enough to skip a reading, you know maybe if it's commissioned. I can just turn the thing in and it will, you know, it, it, they'll go right into rehearsal because I'll just have, you know, given them something that, that's really exciting and, and ready for that. But I am invariably surprised at every step of, of, of the process, regardless of how, how many times I've been at that, that step of the process and how ready I may think it may be for the next step. I'm always surprised when it moves into that next step, when I do a reading, you know, with a few close friends. When I do, you know, when I bring it into a workshop, the how it lives in that step that invariably raises questions that as the writer I have to go, I have to go address. I'm always as painstaking as those steps can sometimes be. I'm always thankful for them because I invariably at that earlier step realize there's something that oh I, I really need to address this if it's going to live on and and despite the temptation to want to skip and, and, and move forward you you really need that it's the the it's the things you're not seeing because as the writer you can you can get into your own little wormhole of the world a little bit and mm-hmm. you can lose a little bit of perspective of how things are playing and you can take things for granted a little bit mm-hmm. and until you hit whatever that next level is of you know, getting actors in a room, having a director start envisioning, you know, how that would live on a stage. Mm-hmm. To your point about that last collaborator being the audience, you know, how they're involved with the piece. Until you sort of assemble all those elements one at a time, um, you haven't really, you haven't really completed an entire process mm-hmm. that'll lead to, mm-hmm. you know, a satisfactory, not I guess result for you, but mm-hmm. to lead to a satisfactory end result mm-hmm. for you. And it's okay to like live in the same step of the process. Like you can have several workshops before you like, and different sizes of workshops and for different types of audiences before it's a production that's just generally open to the public. And when those questions come up, like I I feel the same, I've had the same reaction all the time where I hope that this is the, the one, the last one at this stage, but some very often there's another round to do mm-hmm. and it's because those questions have been raised that I must answer before it can move on and because I know as an audience member when I go see something that sometimes it seems so obvious to me like there's this mm-hmm. question they failed to, to answer that question and if they had just spent more time 
in the in one element they would have known that that was going to be a question but they mm -hmm. it feels like they leaped ahead when it wasn't ready what i think that's a result of and, and this is something I, i've come to learn to appreciate about being an artist in general and specifically about playwriting however is that especially where you're writing a piece of work there's a temptation to want to see that piece of work live you know publicly rather than being an artist who works daily and therefore you know there's always you are always in process on something and that whatever your work is whether you're a musician who writes songs or whether you're a playwright who writes plays these pieces of work you know come to the surface you know in the way like you know, there's, there's there's a flooring under a lake and then there's you know or an ocean and there's these occasional islands of plays you know or songs or whatever that work is that come up but you need that flooring of constantly working in order for those those islands to come to the surface you can't it, it doesn't work if you just start trying to plop islands <laughs> in the ocean and, and that's something about the process that I've I've come to learn to accept is that uh, and, and actually embrace is that I'm constantly working and occasionally there will be things that will reach a part of the process that will hopefully bring them to the public but if my only goal is to bring things to the public mm -hmm. I'm not going to appreciate what I can get out of those other steps of the process and I'm not really appreciating the fact that being an artist is engaging in that process not something to get through mm -hmm. but it's something to be in constantly your metaphor is really interesting because like I had this picture of like an island I mean in addition to trying to like set an island on top of the water doesn't work but also if you have like a really skinny spire underneath right. the island it's tippy right. and everyone's gonna fall off right. <laughs> so right. like that idea of having a wealth underneath the foundation mm. all the stuff that you've been in your head and with your collaborators in a, in a in a reading in a workshop you know all that stuff is there and to make sure it doesn't fall. Mm -hmm. And to your point as well, if you have one thing that you're working on, writing takes a long time. It takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of different steps. And if you're working on one thing, you're, it's, it's more likely that you're gonna end up frustrated and skipping steps because it's taking too long, mm -hmm. quote, quote unquote. Um, and you become impatient and you start thinking that it's not it's not going well or whatever because it's taking that time which pieces need they need time and you're more likely to jump steps that you shouldn't jump if, if that's the case mm -hmm. yeah it's I know I actually asked the question and like the, the question that I asked was how do you know that the play is ready mm -hmm. but actually listening to you guys I'm, I'm I'm actually realizing that my test is much less is the play ready as much as am I ready to bring the play into the next step? Huh. And am I ready for a workshop in terms of having specific things that I need to explore about this play that I cannot do alone? And then I do have scripts that have not been produced, but I have labeled rehearsal ready. That does not mean I'm quite certain that if we were to produce it, it would be what would end up on the stage. Mm -hmm. But what it does mean to me is that I know the function of every single word in the show. I've worked on it enough that I know what every word of the, sh of the play is there to do. And if anyone asked me, I could tell you 
why this line comes after this line, why it's important that this beat is here, why it's important they use this word instead of that word. And again, not with the idea that it's not going to change. It will change once you get it in the room with the actors, but that idea that I feel like I have given enough thought and enough work to this play that I understand the function of each piece of it. And again, and actually we should, we will talk about it in a, in a few minutes, I'm sure, but there are one of the delightful things about working with collaborators is what you discover is there are this there is this thing that I have here that has this function that now I have you know 15 other people I'm working with on it and this person over here this actor is able to perform that function without the words that I have there or the director is able to do it mm -hmm. um, but still to be able to really understand in order for a play to be rehearsal ready how it functions as a piece going into rehearsal. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a bit about going into rehearsal uh, for a workshop specifically to start out. What do you guys think about when you're going into a workshop setting? Uh, how do you know what you're looking to get out of it? Well, I hope that by having actors who and a director who are skilled in developing new plays that they, they're going to be able to help me see things that I wasn't able to see with just the words. I hope that overall, in general, I may also have specific goals to see if, uh, you know, the number of characters I have is too many or, you know, specific things that I wonder if will work in, on a stage, but I think you know, it's it's looking forward to having someone put life and, and a whole life into the t the characters as they exist in that time space. Like to bring everything else to the table. The goals I always have for 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 workshopping a piece of work are the general. I want to see if things that I know I know I have consciously attempted to do, if they're playing. And if, if they're not playing, you know, what, what have I missed in the setup that can make them play in, a, in, a, in, in the way that I desire them to? And as I was saying earlier, it's really easy to get lost in that wormhole uh, when, you're, when you're writing. I'm always grateful for, for the opportunity of an outside eye or an outside voice or an outside ear to bring my attention to something I've missed. Either there's a huge, you know, there's a huge logic issue that I haven't addressed that that I need to, that, that I've just, I've become blind to, or there, you know, my, my play has raised an issue that I hadn't even considered that I now need to address whether the, that needs to be included or that I need to refine and sharpen because I've taken it in direction I, mm -hmm. I didn't intend. And I think my most general goal is, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as, as an artist in general, you, you, you want your work Again, we're the ultimate final collaborators, the audience, is you want your work to, to engage you know, on some level. And so on, on, on a, on, in a very general sense, what I'm always looking for, if nothing specific, I'm looking to see if the artists in the room kind of want to dig their teeth in the material, if there's sort of a general artistic enthusiasm, even if the play is completely imperfect and maybe even a train wreck at that step, <laughs> if, if there seems to be an enthusiasm from, from the artists who, to to bring their, cre if it's something that's 
worth bringing their creativity to. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel good that no matter what step it's at or <laughs> clearly how much more work I need to do on it, mm -hmm. that I may have something worth working with. That's a good point. Yeah. I also think one of the realities of being a playwright is that it is expensive to put up a play, um, especially at the level that a lot of the places that you most want to do your plays uh, are going to do it. And so the reality is there are many more opportunities to have readings and workshops of your plays done than there are to have productions of your plays done. And I mean, I said before and I, I, that for me, I know I'm ready for uh, a workshop or a reading of something when I have specific questions that can only be answered in the room with other people. But I think that very often, you know, you, or frankly, if you are lucky, you will submit your play to a theater company uh, where you'd like to see it done. And much more often than, yes, we would like to do it, the answer is going to be we would be interested in doing a reading of it or we'd be interested in doing a workshop of it. And I think even in those, set, uh, those situations, it's important to decide what you want to do in that room. Your work is going to be much better if you know what you're exploring rather than I'm trying to impress them enough to make a production of this play. You're much more likely to impress them if you're really in there working and they can see that. Um, and I think one of the very basic questions, and it's one that actually I, I think people very rarely, people say, well, I'm coming into workshop and it's a workshop. But I think there really are two, there are more than that, but, but really two kind of categories of workshop that I think are are important to decide what you're doing, which is, are you there to test the material or are you there to revise the material? Because I think they're very different things and very different processes and something that really a director and actors need to approach differently and be prepared for differently. If your idea is, I want to hear this, I want to go home at night and rewrite, I want to hear it with the changes, I want to go home at night and rewrite, I want to hear the changes. Or if it's, I want to really see what happens when this draft of the play is given the full treatment by actors and directors. Mm. You know, what are they able to do with it? What are they able to expand? What are they able to not? What, even though I more or less leave them alone or are there as a resource rather than someone who is imposing changes on them, what problems are they able to solve? What problems are left totally unsolved even when they are able to give themselves fully over to it? And I think it's important to decide for yourself and then frankly let your collaborators know which one of these things are we here to do. And I also think that there's something that I actually really enjoy doing, especially when there is, when it is a setting where I am going into workshop because I want to go into workshop and not because that's what's been offered to this play is to do workshops of pieces of the, of the play. And it's, it's something that I've done, uh, had really terrific experiences with, including there's one full-length play that I wrote where the first four or five scenes of the first act seem, the action of it seems relatively benign on its surface. And then you learn things as the play goes on that makes you realize there actually was a lot more happening in the beginning. And my thought about it always had been, I think that actors knowing what the stakes for these people really are, are going to have things going on in this scene, are going to be giving spins to lines and things like that, that won't make the audience know what's happening, but is going to make them aware there is something more going on here than 
is then seems to be happening on the surface, I'm going to pay special attention. Right. And that was the way that I really constructed the play, was that that was how the first five scenes would work, I thought. Um, but again, being writers for the theater, hopefully when you're writing, you're writing to be performed by actors. And so one of the things that we really did is that we went into rehearsal and really did table work on the whole play. You know, and really worked out what is going on. What do these people know walking in this room? What are the great concerns? And they're like, what are all these things? And then, instead of doing a workshop that will play, really work the first four scenes. And just really put the resources that we had to really explore that very specific question of, are the first four scenes of this play going to play in an interesting way, even though there's not much apparently happening on the surface? Um, but is it going to feel like there's real action to the play if the actors are playing, again, these relatively benign-seeming things, but with the stakes that we actually know from what the information we get later they have in those moments? I find that one of the things that, reading around a table, if a, if a line seems casual, even though, you know, I... I have, I feel like there's so much under it, but it's just like a toss off. And like when it's a cold read or, or, you know, pe people haven't done the acting work on it, it can, it can really shift the course of how the play reads to you. And it's like, and it can be tempting sometimes, especially for people with not a lot of experience writing to say, well, the actors didn't read it right. So <laughs> it'll work when they, when they read it right. Um, but actually sometimes that is not that way of saying it, but it can be true that when, when the, the full life is underneath a casual seeming line, it is not going to seem casual in the moment of, a production yeah. that it is going to seem so full and intense and on the verge that everything that follows will happen differently. Um, so sometimes you you just need that process with the director and the actress to say like, no, this is what this is what's going on. And hopefully there are clues in the rest of the play that they would know that even if you weren't there later. But for the for at least the first process of of work, the first um times you're workshopping it or reading it you are you can be available to say this is what is supposed to be there can you get this from anywhere or or you know do I need to put something in or will other people be able to put it in well that's why having being deliberate about living in each step of that process is so important because if, if there's things that are, are living in that play that you would really like to see happen if there's moments that need to play a certain way or if there's a, a perspective that you know you really want that character to, to have and that you want to see the actor bring that perspective to life and those moments are being missed. It's always interesting to me when you go through several steps of a process to discover if that moment is... Every actor is going to miss stuff the first time that they, they, they read something. You, know, you, you can go back to pieces of material all the time and you, you, you find things in them. Um, uh, Al Pacino talked about how one of the reasons when he rehearses things, he'll rehearse it for a while and then he'll walk away from it for a time because things just need to kick around him and then he'll come back to it. So the idea that, excuse me, any actor, no matter how brilliant, is going to get your script the first time, you know, at a, at, especially like at a workshop staging and fully realize, you know, all of your grand intentions is, is pretty low. 
And I actually will say, I don't trust a play that really flies in a cold read. I mean, I've seen great cold reads. I think you can do a lot in a cold read. But if people, I mean, hopefully there are things going on in early scenes that are being influenced by information we don't get until later. That it's not even a matter of the actor missing it, but the actor doesn't have the information yet. And I mean, I'm actually, if you can do, if you've written a play that people can just pick up and do and it works at its best, my argument would be you haven't written a very sophisticated play. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think I think there's there's something to that, and so it becomes this this careful uh, careful calibration of you know is this specific moment not playing just because the actor you know or the director or whoever hasn't had time to really let that kick around in them and then, and they eventually will will find their way in an organic truthful way to that and make that happen the way you know when I sat down and wrote it I realized it or is that not playing because there's something missing in my setup. I, I haven't given them everything they need to to get to to, to where my ambition lies at that moment. Yeah. And that, that's a careful thing that you can only get to, I think, through repeat, repeated, you know, repeated processes of of, mm -hmm. of, of reading and working. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it can be. I, I I like what you said about the revision versus testing for mm -hmm. your material and how important it is to make sure that you're. Uh, director and writers are on board for the kind of process that you want because it can be very frustrating to think that you're in one kind of process and then find suddenly that you are in another kind of process and you can't do nobody can do their best work that way and I think as a writer you can be tempted to calibrate your the material like to try to revise the actor into the the moment that you want and you and you have to allow the actor and the director to attempt it before mm -hmm. you feel like it ha before it can be revised. You have to let them try to make it work on their own mm -hmm. before you try to make it work for them by changing a line here or mm -hmm. making you know adding italics or something, something mm -hmm. terrible like that. Um, you know, you have to give give them a chance to to do it. Well, especially because you're ultimately writing a play to be done by many people. So if you're focusing in on one actor's interpretation right away and making changes right away, you have no idea what other actors would do it, mm -hmm. would do with that material mm -hmm. as well. Do you guys have thoughts uh, about specifically working with directors in the workshop setting? My only specific thought about collaborating with the director is that as the writer, I want the relationship I want to create with the director is that they're the chief advocate for the play and can both articulate and envision the life of the play, perhaps even, not even perhaps better than I can. That if you know, the, the director's the, you know, going to be the interpreter of how, you know, and, and really the, the guide that gets your play from the page you know, to, to living on a stage. And I look for the director to be that, that advocate for me when, when I have difficulty maybe even articulating how I envision something myself. Uh, I want the director there to, to guide it to a life beyond, beyond being on, on, on the page. And so if, if, I have a, uh, <laughs> if, I, if I have a relationship with my director where they're, they seem to be interested in my perspective and understand how my perspective has informed the work on the on, on the page, and they have an understanding of 
of, if, you know, if, if I leave every rehearsal and every meeting with the director, them saying, I, I understand what you're after and, and I think we're going to go after this. And then I see that on stage. I feel, I feel really good about that collaboration mm-hmm. with the director that, that they, they have sort of an intuitive uh, understanding of how to transform it from that mm-hmm. one place to another. And I also like them, I like them to be interested in my perspective on the play and, and also have their vision of how to achieve that. But I also want them to be inquisitive about the world of the play and the intention and the theme. Like, even if it's not, because the, the, the world of the play is, is limited, even if you have all that stuff behind it. But sometimes there's something that you haven't put it in there uh, explicitly that might be useful. And uh, an inquisitive director might just want to pick, you know, might have ways of asking you questions that bring those things out to help you realize that it's not in there. Uh, if Because you're putting that filter on it all the time yourself and they might, if they can figure out what your filter is, it can help them mm-hmm. either Put, apply the filter themselves and know that you need to um, provide information about that for other productions or help you rewrite and revise after the workshop to make sure that that's in there for future productions. It, it's funny in terms of collaborating with all the artists on a play that the, the director's job is to, to really synthesize all of those elements and we were just talking about you know how you know, like when an actor first gets gets the, the, the script or is reading through it, that there may be moments they don't get just because they haven't had time to let that material kick around with them. It's, it's interesting how the director sort of can serve as an advocate for all of the artists in a certain way. I, I know as an actor, when, I, when I've worked on new plays, if there's a moment that's not working, and this is a very subtle thing, you, you'll have, you know, new pages, you'll have rewrites while you're in rehearsal process. And this is very subtle, but there's been moments as the actor where if the playwright says, all right, we're going to change that line. I always feel as the actor a little bit like I've let them down. Like I haven't been able to act what they initially wanted, and so now they're changing the line around me. But in certain cases, if, if I've also had a director say, hey, you know, pull me aside as the actor and then pull the playwright aside and say, listen, this moment isn't working. And the three of us sort of have a discussion that will lead to a rewrite. As, as the playwright, I'm always completely fine with that because usually the director, again, is seeing something that I'm not because I'm in the wormhole of, 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 of the play. As the actor, I always appreciate that because it's clear that we're having a collaboration about how to fix this moment that's not working rather than feeling as if I can't perform the words that the playwright initially given me and had I been a better actor his play could have been you know achieved the way he initially intended it's a really subtle thing yeah. that, but having that director there mm-hmm. um, to synthesize those things uh, it is crucial and I think that there really is something to when you are working with a director to respecting their expertise and especially if you're working with a director who uh, you know, specializes in one way or another in working on new plays because that's really a whole different set of skills and we should probably do a different uh, episode about being about directing new plays. But um, that said, you also really should be able to embrace in a workshop of a new play that you are there in large part 
to help the playwright figure out how the play needs to evolve. Mm -hmm. And I think to respect the director in that case as somebody who can be an incredible resource to you, as somebody who, instead of telling them, this is what I want you to tell the actor to do, to say, my intention in this moment was X, Y, or Z, and it's not reading. Do you have any thoughts about why? Um, what can we do? And the answer might be, oh, if that was the intention, I never would have understood that. I want you to know you give this to another director. I don't think they're ever going to come to that, so it might be a writing thing. Or they might say, you know what, I know what to tell. Let me give a note to, to an actor. And a really good director is very rarely going to give the note. It needs to be more and repeat what you just said to them. They're going right. to have some way to talk to, to the actors uh, that's going to be helpful. But I think the thing about being a playwright in the room and working with a director who is that resource in that way is really to be sure and to be conscious of asking from the director what you need rather than what you want to see. You know, that there is this, that it's instead of trying, it's not very helpful, I think, in a workshop setting to be whispering in the director's ear about what you really want, how you really want the scene to play so they can do it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's things where, you know, you might talk to them about, I want to see what happens in this scene. I'm considering adding a section at the beginning where they talk about um, the fact that they just had a fight with their wife. Can you give some note like that to the actor so I can see what happens to the rest of the scene if that information is there before I take the time to do that rewrite? Or, you know, it can be something where I'd really like to see what happens if this play, if, if it's, there's a great deal of stillness in this moment. Can we just see what that looks like? And I think that's something that a director is going to be very responsive to and feel very respected if you're talking about, it would be helpful for me to see this, can you help me see this thing? Rather than, this is how I want the play to be done, can you do it that way? Because I think especially in a workshop setting, that's not helpful to you as a playwright, just to sort of strong arm the play into the play yeah, that you want to well, There's an inquisitiveness that's required, I think, to be an artist in, in, in general, and I think one of the, the primary roles of, of the director is to keep asking questions, to keep being curious about, about the play, and, and, and that's coaxing questions and not being easily satisfied with answers or, you know, as you were saying, you know, sort of force answers or impose answers on something before things have been fully realized. And so to have that director there to Again, and, and, and I'll keep repeating this because it, it happens to me on pretty much everything I ever write that you, you get lost in that, that wormhole. To have somebody there who's curious about, about the piece of work and is curious about how, you know, what you intended there, curious about what might be there that you didn't see, is curious about how the actors might play with that, is curious about what, you know, what it, what it would look like if this happened or if, if we, we, took a certain approach to it. To, to have somebody there who's curious about your work, I think will bring out the best in your work, and that's a really satisfying relationship to have. I think to have somebody whose job it is, is to be interested in trying to help you explain the thing that was so important for you to get mm -hmm. down on paper. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with the director, Kit, I know I've worked with you as an associate director on a number of new plays, and there's a degree to which I feel like some playwrights 
including myself, kind of freak out if they see a moment that's not like what they intended. But it's also important to realize that there's steps to the directing process as well. So you might need to discover and explore something with the actors before you get them to kind of do what they need to do or to kind of, you know, get them to that place. And there are stages which, you know, if you're in the room as a playwright, might be really frightening. You know, why are they yelling at this moment? But, you know, they need, you know that they need to yell in order to come out of it this other way. It, it, it's so interesting. One of the, the theories, the general tenets I've embraced for my life, let alone for my artistic life, is the idea that everybody in the world is better than you at something. And especially in a collaborative artistic process, you're going to get the most productive results and you're going to have the most satisfying process if you can identify what everyone is supposed to be doing and let them do that yes. mm -hmm. um, rather than you know trying to manage the other the other the other collaborators as if they are somehow in your way yeah. and so that you have to really have that trust that you know the, the director has a process as well uh, and, and in terms of how he'll talk to the actors, in terms of how he'll talk to the designers, to get the best out of the work that you've brought as the playwright. And you really need to trust that. It's interesting when you watch what the other collaborators are doing and trust that what they're doing will, will in the end, serve you. I, I was reading um, the, the piece in the New York Times about Philip Seymour Hoffman mm -hmm. working on Death of a Salesman and uh, how his rehearsal process at some point concerned Mike Nichols, the director, uh, because he said, you know, one day he came in and uh, he, he was yelling really loud and the next day you could barely hear him and the day after that he was, wasn't doing any of the blocking right and it was just really disconcerting. I didn't know what I was going to get and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman said, you know, I have to do everything that I'm not going to do in order to eventually do the thing I'm going to do. And I can imagine if, if you're a playwright and you walk into a room and you see, you know, even as an actor, yeah. which, which, you know, is, is my primary discipline, you, you feel this need to occasionally apologize when you do all the things that you know you need to do, when you need to rehearse things that aren't on the page, when you need to rehearse the things, choices that the characters in the play don't make to understand why they, they make the choices they do. To, you, you as the actor feel this need to say, well, I know that's not the play. You feel this need to apologize. Yeah. That's when you, it's two people on their own working on a piece of material that, you know, you know Arthur Miller is you know, regretfully no longer with us, let alone with a new living piece where the playwright might be in the room. Um, you really need the trust of each other that, you know, whatever's happening now, that's part of their process to eventually get to a, a, a satisfying place that will achieve the vision that I had. It's, it's, it's interesting in terms of all those, I, I, you just really have to respect that the other artists have a process that you have to leave them somewhat alone on. One of the most impressive things I saw, I sat early in my career in a, in a production meeting and I know very, very little about scene design or set design or lighting. And, uh, in college they made you do a lighting design project and it was amazing to me how absolutely incapable I was of even getting like the right colors together. <laughs> but what was fascinating was I, I watched the director, who was an excellent director. He didn't build the set. He didn't show up with a picture of what he wanted the set to look like. He didn't have a lighting plot. He came in with photographs and paintings 
and pieces of music and things like that. And he would just tell the designer, you know, I want something that feels like this, or I want something that kind of evokes this, or I'm picking this piece of, you know, I'm picking this painting because it makes me, you know, it addresses this theme or seems to be about this, and that's kind of the feeling I want. And then you let the designers do their work. You know, you, you don't you don't paint the set for them, you don't build it for them, you don't do the lighting for them. You you communicate to them in the in the within the within the bounds of what your job is, and then you let them do their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have had moments as a playwright watching a rehearsal, and almost wish that I wasn't there <laughs> because because there is that anxiety that. You, that I didn't give them something that works. Mm-hmm. That what I've given them, they can't make it work because what I'm seeing is not my play. Mm-hmm. And if you have a trust in your director that they have, that, they, that, that it's in good hands with them and that your actors are capable actors, even then you can have those moments of like, I have failed to bring my part to the mm-hmm. process. And if I hadn't seen what happened today, I would feel a lot better. Uh, so it's sometimes good to step out of the room yeah, I and think let them actually, do that. Yeah, I, as a, a director who does a lot of new works and workshops, that is the greatest gift playwrights can sometimes give to to a process. That and absolutely, you want the playwright in the room. You want you know their expertise on what's going on. You want in a workshop to really have clarity about what they're hoping to get out of it. But the same way that you say you're sitting there and thinking about, oh, I failed the people by not giving them words there really is something to that actors and directors have a great deal of anxiety about working through new plays in front of the playwright very often and you know sometimes they really do need you know what I'm gonna and I think to let them know to say you know what I've got some things I need to do for the you know next two afternoons, so I'm not going to be in rehearsal. But I really look forward to seeing what you guys do when I come back on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be such a fantastic thing for actors and directors to know we can just kind of do our work, and not because the playwright is in the way or is the enemy, but quite the opposite, because they really want to please the playwright. But the fact of them is the things we talk about about process on all of our episodes is that idea that. You need to, in order to be the play that the play is going to end up being, it needs to look like different plays for a while mm-hmm. while you're figuring yeah. how, how you're going to get there. It's like we said about rehearsing the play, doing the best job at the play that you can do with one day of rehearsal mm-hmm. and then doing mm-hmm. the, like, since it's not going to work that way, your play is not going to look like your play until various points in the process. And it might even be something that you can work out together with a director. E- either offering like I'm available these days to come in is that a good day or saying like what times in your process would it be good for me to check in knowing that I would really like to check in mm-hmm. or you know letting the director offer like when are the best days to come see something and hopefully it's often enough that you feel that you're in touch with it, but allowing them to kind of guide might even be better than offering like I'm free on this specific day. Knowing, with my initial discipline and my primary discipline being acting, and knowing how tempting it can be to to honor what you think. The thing is, you're not even honoring the playwright's wishes. You're honoring what you think the playwright's ultimate wishes are, which is just a suicide mission for, for, for an actor. Being sensitive to how insidious that temptation is. When I am uh, the writer on a piece of work, 
I almost never want to be there because I want the, the, the actors and directors to have sort of full, you know, full freedom to do whatever they, they need to do. I know when, when we worked on Southern Cross, you know, uh, Will Harper, who, who directed the piece, he and I, you know, spoke a bit at the, at the beginning, but then I said, and, and he was very kind about, listen, you can come to whatever rehearsal you want and be as involved and you want as you want. And my, my choice was to be as involved as little as possible in that in that aspect of the process. Um, and what did you get out of that? I was delighted when when I finally saw the, the the workshop production of it, and it it affirmed my faith in those particular artists that it was it was. Uh, a great director was selected for it. It was very talented. Some great actors were cast in it, and that they they weren't going to, you know, my absence wasn't going to tempt them to to do something to my play that I, I hadn't intended. You, you, if you if you give other artists the, the the freedom and the faith and the respect to do their work, they'll they'll serve you honorably. There is something I liked so much. I, we did a, a workshop production of The West Wing, which is just one of my plays. And there was something I loved being in the room. And, and obviously, if, it was, if it's better to not be in the room mm -hmm. on certain, you know, for certain rehearsals, totally, I totally respect that, especially also as an actor. But there was something so interesting about seeing, about the staging of it. For me, that was the point where I could see specifically how another discipline was really elevating the material. And it was so interesting, it was such a learning experience for me to find out what things meant um, and what made things work and funny and not funny. And, mm. and that it was just a, specifically, it was, it was just a really interesting thing to be in the room for that section of the rehearsal process for me. Yeah. The other disciplines can illuminate your mm -hmm. work. Again, they don't get in the way. Yeah. One of my favorite little anecdotes ever, and I don't know what play it was on, uh, that John Patrick Shanley had written. And I think he directs a lot of his work now, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, the, this apparently was earlier in his career that he came to a, a rehearsal of, of one of his plays and something happened on stage and he muttered out loud, oh, that's what that means. Mm -hmm. And... Um, <laughs> Not that, not that the playwright, you know, should absolve himself's responsibility of understanding their own play, yeah. but I just, I love the idea that he hadn't been there for a bit and that the director and the actors were able to, through their own disciplines and their own process, illuminate the play to its own author. Mm -hmm. There's something really delightful. I actually had a very similar experience to that, but actually a play that was semi-autobiographical, and I had an actor say... Um, you know, so this thing that he says in scene eight, is that because of the thing that she said to him in scene three? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, thank you for explaining the last four years of my life to me. I appreciate that. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. That's why that happens. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we move on to talking about uh, uh, production, um, do you guys have any thoughts uh, specifically about working with actors in a workshop setting? Well, I just think that, you know, respecting the role of the director to to be the primary voice in the room is vital to, to I mean, it, we've talked before about knowing what your role is in the room and, and in, a, in a workshop as in a production, like letting your thoughts be channeled through the director to the actors rather than addressing them directly. But also if the director 
would like to make you available to the actors as a resource mm -hmm. for background material. I, I think that's that can be f fun sometimes to just talk about your experiences with a particular setting or a group of uh, people or you know a particular event. Like if if you had something that you can offer to the actors and the director's willing for you to provide that role, I think that can be interesting too. Yeah, I, I think the other reason I, I, I don't, as the playwright, don't want to be that involved in, in their rehearsal process is because uh, just on the very simple social fact that, you know, if, if you're in a room with, with actors who are working on your play, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to talk with them, you're going to interact with them and invariably going to wind up talking about the play. And where, again, I, I feel it's the director's role to be, you know, the, the person who's, who's envisioning the, the life of the play and being the advocate for the play. In, invariably, you know, if you put the playwright and the actors working on your play in the room, they're going to start talking about the play. And even as the playwright, I don't want to be... And I don't want anything that I say about the play to be misinterpreted by the actors as as, as if it were coming from the authority on the, the life of the play. I mean, that mm -hmm. they have their own job to do, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to to present anything to them that uh, would in any way you know limit their exp exploration or or discourage their inquisitiveness that. Mm -hmm. that, that they need in order to, to achieve a, a, a really, you know, the play that, that, that I, I would hope for. Uh, I think my one thought about that really um, is just the importance of being sure that the actors know, that everyone involved knows what the goals for you are as you're working on the project. Because especially with actors who are really skilled in working on new work, you approach the process differently depending on what the playwright. One of the most difficult things to do actually, and, and, and you need really disciplined actors sometimes to work on a new play, is to let a play fail on its own terms. Because it is the, it is the, you know, the impulse of the director and the actors to always sort of elevate. That's what they're there to do to make a play even better than it is. But sometimes a playwright really wants to see the warts in the play, and they really want the actors to not do the double backflip necessary to, you know, to fix, to justify something that's unclear in the script, but really says, I want you to, you know, bring your game, but, you know, try to do it based on the material that's provided in the script. Which can be a really difficult thing for an actor who is accustomed to really building beyond that. And I mean, I know there actually have been more than one occasion I can remember where, you know, that, that uh, playwrights were not able to be in the room for a workshop rehearsal as uh, process as much as uh, they had wanted to be. And there's one in particular I'm thinking of that there was extraordinary mental gymnastics required for the actors to justify some of the things in the play. And they were fantastic actors and we did the uh, workshop of it. And I mean, it the playwright was delighted with it, which I was very pleased with. Other people were delighted with it. It actually moved on to a bigger workshop at another theater based on that uh, that workshop that we had done, and I remember talking to the playwright and saying, these are things that I think you need to take a look at because they were very difficult to justify. And his answer was, it was great. It totally worked. And then when they did it again, it totally 
didn't did not work, work yeah. at all. Um, and the, this play, and they're actually looking back on it, I, I feel badly as a director because I think we would have served the play better in the long run to have let it fall down in that process because I think the place that it moved on to for its next workshop would have been a great place for it to have a full production, but that just didn't happen because the next workshop didn't live up to the expectations they had based on the earlier workshop. You know, so that's that's something that, again, it's really important as a playwright to let the directors and actors know what you want to get out of it, and if what you want to do is I want to find out where the play isn't working. You know, it, it, and it takes a really good actor to let a play not work for the reasons that it doesn't work in the script. That's actually a really hard thing to do, and you can find an actor who's able to do that, hold on to them, and use them in other workshops. So in terms of being the playwright in the room at rehearsal for productions of a play, as opposed to workshops, I, I think there are probably a lot of the things we talked about about workshops and working with people and collaborating that carry over. But when you are the playwright, how do you view your role in the process of a production? I think it's very, uh, it starts with the basis of like similar things as for a, a workshop. But I think there is more of an expectation that a non-workshop production, that the final product is is part of your goal. Like ha what happens with the play on its feet for audiences is more of the goal of the whole of the production. And so your role is to be a resource to the director in whatever role the director requires. If, especially if you feel like the play is finished, even though it could change after. I think it's just whatever the director requires of you for that production, which may mean absence. But being available for whatever they need, I think, is, is the goal of the playwright for a production. I also think that it's important to be there as an advocate for the play, in the same way that the, uh, you hope the actors are going to be advocates for their particular characters, that the director is going to be an advocate for the world and for the uh, production, that you want to advocate for the play. But I think it's important to keep in mind that the actors and director and designers and producers are all there to do the play that you wrote but not to do the play that you had in your head. And that it's really important to stand up for what's important in the play. But it's also really important, and I think it's your most important job as a playwright, to know what's important in the play. Hmm. To advocate for the character rather than advocate for the specific performance of the character. To advocate for the intention of a moment rather than the specific way that it is staged. And so to be able to say, I mean, as I said, I, I always want to know when I say that a, that a script is rehearsal ready, it means that I really understand what each line, what each beat is functionally doing there in the play. Why is it there? And to be able to say to a director, not she needs to yell at him there, but to say this really is in, intended to be the moment where she finally lays it on the line for him and gives him an ultimatum. And I'm not clear that she's really willing to walk out after this. 
that you can say that, then leave it to the director because someone laying down an ultimatum might look like yelling on one actor or being very quiet on another actor or not being able to look at the other actor or having to look them dead in the eye. That's something that's going to wear differently on one actor than it's going to wear on another actor. Um, but that idea of knowing this is the moment where the ultimatum is laid down. And that's something that I think is totally within bounds as a playwright to say that's what's happening in this moment of the play. I'm not seeing it yet. What can we do? And the director's answer, A, I would say that's something that goes to the director specifically. And the director's answer might be, let me give them an adjustment, and it might be, you know, I actually think that the way the line reads isn't actually helping us there or we're not set up in the lead up to it for that to play and there's something that you could do to help the actors to do that. But again, that idea of really knowing what's important and standing up for those things but doing it in ways that really give everyone else room to do their work the way that they need to do their work. How do you guys feel about doing rewrites in rehearsal for a production? There's a place for them, obviously, but there's always a point, and I can't define specifically where this point is, but there's always a point where I, I don't want to offer any more rewrites, where, where the play, in terms of being a script, is locked. And, and I know there's, there's examples of, of, you know, new pages being given, you know, when something's in, in, in previews and things like that. And I think actors are, are, are a pretty capable bunch, you know, if you've, if you've cast correctly. But th there's a point where, you know, I, I think your play needs to live where it needs to live. And any type of, of even minor overhaul of your script at that latest stage, I, I, I just think your chances of achieving the result you want even if the the new pages are would 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 you know if you had the same process, uh, the, the same rehearsal process would get you the result you want. Mm -hmm. At that late stage in the game, you're not going to get that result, and perhaps that's something to to address, you know, on a next production or at some other point in the project. But but there's there's always a point where I feel like by inserting inserting your work back into the process at that latest stage, regardless of how well intended or even how well executed, will not achieve a satisfactory result. There's something kind of, in addition to inserting work, you can also remove work. Mm -hmm. You know, there can be cuts mm -hmm. that can be very useful, even more useful than insertions, like mm -hmm. making something leaner, stopping something from stalling, uh, the play by by removing it and letting there be a silence or you know just removing an element can it, I mean it's a little it's kind of like Jenga you can <laughs> take things out and it and it just works better you well, know? yeah I think if, if you're making cuts because it's interesting if if you're making cuts because what you're taking out what you're removing is information that exists in other parts of the play, or if it's mm -hmm. the, the the characters uh, are repeating the same beat mm -hmm. and it's not moving the story forward. As an actor, I, I've always found that to be a, a relief. But if the changes you make are things that 
provide new information mm -hmm. or that provide a different uh, perspective. It's just, I always try to be cognizant as the playwright that what you're doing in that situation is you're, you're asking the director and the actor to do a lot of work mm -hmm. in a compressed amount of time. Uh, in addition to all the other things they have to do at that point in the production, simply because mm -hmm. you're giving them, it's not merely a question of adding lines and, and things that you now have to memorize. An actor can do that in an hour, uh, even with, you know, if it's an additional two, three pages, an actor can do that. But if you've somehow, all of a sudden you've realized that there's a new perspective about the character that you just, or that scene that you absolutely just have to have, and it in some way creates a different character for that actor, and mm -hmm. even in a small way, that's a lot of work to throw at somebody in, in a tech or in a in, in, in previews. And I think also something that I know uh, many playwrights do, and I've heard actors really express anxiety about it, to put it politely, is that playwrights need to understand that actors need secrets. They need, in order to do a play, they need things that they don't say out loud that are going on underneath. And something that I've, I've heard very often happen, and especially with actors who really work that way, like it's a very important part of their process, that they can come up with really terrific additions to backstory and things, previous circumstances that they're bringing into the room with them. And the number of times I've heard actors talk about, oh, I was talking to my director yesterday about how it was really helpful for me to come in and know that I'm coming from the dentist and the next day I come in and there's a new page and the first line is, hey, I just got here from the dentist, that all of a sudden they no longer have their secret in the scene and they, they need to find, something, to else. find something yeah. else now. And I mean, certainly there are places where, you know, an actor might have a real insight about a character that mm -hmm. you find that you want to build in. But I think it's just important as a playwright to be cognizant of that fact that, mm -hmm. that you can be taking, you can actually be weakening the scene in production by adding information that the actor would have been able to do much more with as a secret. And I also think in terms of cuts um, in, in particular, that cuts can be really useful. I mean, lean is always good. And really the thing that I find when I want to cut things are where you find you've given, you've, you've got a terrific actor, hopefully your play's always going to be done with terrific actors, who has enough information coming in at that point that they, by the time they get to the first sentence of a speech, that speech is full of everything we're going to learn in the next ten lines. Because it's just true when they say it. And that idea of being able to say, you know what, that which, again, we, it, we went in rehearsal ready and those ten lines were important because it's very critical at this point in the play that we understand that he's doing this because he feels betrayed by his business partner. But you know what? Just the way he comes in and puts his briefcase down makes that clear to me. I don't need a speech here anymore. Mm -hmm. Not just because it's too, not just because it's long and it's cutting things, but because it becomes a double beat. Mm -hmm. It becomes a repeat of information that we already have based on the behavior of the actor. And here's an example of a cut that you could have done at the table, hopefully. But sometimes all the work has has been done, and and something that remains in the play raises a dramatic question that never gets answered. So even though the information can be true for the characters, it may never be resolved in the play. And so it can be true for their life. It can become a, a new secret 
Like you can provide them with a secret by saying, we're never going to talk about this little section of the coda at the, of this scene. We're just not going to say it. It's true for you still, mm -hmm. but we don't need it for this play. Yeah. So that can be something, a, a way to make it leaner with a cut is to realize something that doesn't get resolved. And I think in terms of, again, in terms of rewrites, in an ideal situation, you've been able to have a workshop where you've been able to work out, walking into the room, whatever you want. And so really the rewrites you might be doing are about technical issues, are about now that we're doing, I mean, and sometimes you do need to do that. Sometimes, you know, you realize there's no way they can make this costume change in time. We need to buy them another 30 seconds and we need 30 seconds of something to put in this scene. I mean, and that can be a very difficult challenge to lay out, but that sort of thing is a, is a reality and, and, and you might have to do that. You know, if you haven't been able to have a full workshop experience, you know, there might be more rewrites that you find you want to do. There might be more things that if it's really in a production, and it happens sometimes that people read a script and say, let's do a production, and the first time you're seeing it really on people up on their feet is when you're in rehearsal for production, you know, there, there may well be changes that you feel that you want to make. But I just think it's really important for all the reasons that, that uh, Tim said, just to be aware of, again, your goal once you're in production is to put up a production of that show and not to write the best show you possibly can. Um, and that there are ways sometimes where there are things that you want to clarify that might, you can talk to the director about, the director might be able to clarify for you without new lines, without a new scene. The design really can very often help to clarify if you're like the passage of time. I'm realizing we jump ahead three weeks and it's just not clear. There are things that a lighting designer or a set designer could do for you that could solve that problem without you having to add a scene in the middle about how... Um, it's been three it's weeks. It's been three weeks, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I also think it's just really important to realize, as with everything, that everything in the world has limited resources. And every rewrite that you do every new set of pages that you give actors to do and a director to work out is taking resources. And you as the playwright and a, a central collaborator on this new production of this play, you have the right to those resources as you need them. But also to realize that every new, when you give people pages at the beginning of a rehearsal that they haven't seen before, it is, it is taking up time for them to assimilate those pages and to work that they could be doing something else. And I have seen um, a, n a number of productions that ended up with, in a lot of ways, a clearer script by the end, but ended up feeling really under-rehearsed and really, really was not as strong a production of that play if, if there hadn't been, if they'd clarified the things that needed clarifying but had not done as many rewrites, but given the directors and the actors and the designers the resource t of time that they needed to really elevate it. And then you can still rewrite those things in after the fact, if you need to. I don't think any playwright aspires to soap opera writing, but one of the difficulties of, of soap opera acting, uh, you know, people sort of think that it's uniformly bad, and, and I always advocate for, for soap opera actors in that their job is incredibly hard in that they will get entire scripts day of, day before, while they're still trying to learn you know, three, four other scripts for that week. And you know, my argument to, to advocate for soap opera actors is that, you know, yes, the, the, the material may be you know, 
primarily expositional, and and you know, I think most good plays you know certainly rise above that that bar. But you're giving such material to actors in a way in which they really can't do much more with that material than simply get it out of their mouths in the order in which it was on the page, uh, because they haven't had the t they, they simply don't have the time to do more with it, and. Again, not that a, a a play aspires to be to be a, a soap opera on a stage, but recognizing that if, if part of an earlier part of the process missed answering a question that you as the playwright now realize you need to address, you you may not be helping by by you may be helping as you said, Kit, you may be helping the script by now you know, in, in making those changes, but you may not be helping the production and you're certainly not helping the actors who really need time to assimilate that, to give, you know, into their own process, to give that new material the life and the depth that it would really deserve so they can do something more with it besides just get it out of their mouths clearly. Mm -hmm. When also being aware of, we've said this before, but being aware of everyone else's jobs. Mm -hmm. Certainly it can be important for you to cut a line or to add something. It, it might be necessary. But not only to be aware of the actors and the director, but also the, the tech, the tech involved. You don't know if that line was a huge cue for five mm -hmm. different things. <laughs> yeah. And if you're doing that the day of, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? And to just be aware of kind of all of the different aspects of mm -hmm. what go into Teching a piece and making a piece be a production. Yeah. You, you you might be cutting props <laughs> yeah. by cutting lines. You might be cutting props. or adding props. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely uh, true. And and I mean, one of the people who you actually, if you are not sure about, can really depend upon for that is the director. I mean, especially there are two things. There's one, if a director tells you this change is going to cause a real production problem, you can have the discussion with them about it, but you know, you, they're probably right. They probably are. Uh, you know, you might be able to work something out if it's important to you. But I think especially if you're want, making very late changes, I as a playwright, you know, really always, once we're getting within a week or so, will talk to the director and say, even before I make changes, and say, I am thinking about going home tonight and writing something to go in this section that will do this. Is that something that's going to be a problem? Is you know, and and that idea of then sending it to them overnight and saying, "Can you take a look at this?" and be you know, and because it is something that, especially late in the game, one you don't want to know, um, you know, you don't want to be throwing a tech problem into it, but also a director may well know, you know what, I know what Jenny's working on in that moment, and that's going to totally throw off the rest of the beautiful work she's doing in that scene. It's great lines, it would have been great if we had them three weeks ago, and she could have assimilated into her, but you will be better served by not having those lines in this play. And, you know, every everything Everything you do that you care about, there are tiny moments of heartbreak where you look and you see the moment you wish you could have added or you might have done differently or if only you had more time or you had more money. But that's part of the, that, that's part of the game. Mm -hmm. I, I think there, there's something really valuable to understanding in terms of, of the process of where a show is, of whose show it is, to kind of have the call on it. Mm -hmm. And there's a point where, as the writer, it, it, it's no longer your show. To make calls on. I remember specifically uh, coming right out of grad school and working on a, a new play and it, it was a, a comedic play. It was very funny. Uh, I was playing the central character in it and there, it, it had to do with, with fashion and, and uh, design and things like that. And So there was a lot of costume changes for me and to, to 
your sort of ornate pieces, you know, suits and, and things like that because of the, the nature of the world that we were in. And I remember just bef at the end of tech, they decided a section didn't work. And so they took out uh, uh, like half a page exchange. And it, I needed that as the actor. I needed that for a costume change, which I was, we were already sprinting. Like the second I came off stage, I was always, you know, getting into something. I, I had my own dresser, which I felt guilty about, you know, the scale of the production that I had my own dresser. But I remember specifically, we never got that costume change right after that. And I, there was always constantly, I, I didn't have the tie or didn't have the vest or didn't have something because it was, we were forced into a position where we had to make the choice between, do I get in full costume uh, or do I get on stage, you know, in the times, <laughs> I mean, but yeah. especially in a comedic piece that kind of needs to pop, you know, in, in just in terms of, you know, from a very technical perspective, in terms of pacing, you know, to, to have an additional 10, 15 seconds of, 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 of dead air is literally death. And I remember we, unfortunately, you know, we had a, a huge argument in the back, uh, me, the dresser, uh, the writer, uh, the costume designer, and, and the director about what was going wrong. And it was unfortunate because it was a case of everybody trying to do their job correctly and doing their job to the best of their ability. But somebody, and I think in that case, it should have been the director, should have made the call that, you know what, it's too, it's too late in the game to make that change, even though ultimately, if we could do this again, it would make for a better play to not have that. It's, it's making everybody else's job impossible to do, and therefore is making the play even less less successful than it could be. Yeah, and I think that I mean I, I mean really what all of this comes down to is that idea of recognizing the difference between you know the solitary act of a writer making a script and once you get into a production rehearsal that you are making the production that is going to open on March fifteenth mm -hmm. and everybody needs to work understanding the budget constraints and the time constraints and all of the other constraints and that includes the writer. That said, I also think it's critically important and I, I want to be sure that it does not sound like we're saying that the writer has no place in the first production of their show. No. I mean, I would argue they are the most important if there is a the most important person other than the person who put the money up <laughs> in for it. Um, um, but, but I think that they, again, really need to recognize that generally they've had, you know, six months, a year, five years working on this play. They've had a lot of time to do it. And there's a lot of other people who are trying to do a job in a much more compressed time. And the more that you can respect that, I think that the better collaborator that you're going to be. And that can include making writing changes that will make other people's jobs better. I don't want to say easier because easy isn't very good, but more dynamic and, and, and discovering things about seeing a role on an actor that makes you realize things about a character that you, that you want to expand on. But one of the things, and it's something I've talked about uh, before when we've done episodes about directing, and I think it's an important directing thing, is about establishing thesis statements up front. That because things can get hairy in a production, especially with time constraints, and all of a sudden we're four days away and we've got all this stuff to do. But when you do, as the director, really talk in very clear terms in the opening about that this is a play about this, it is very important that this is true. That to be able to, instead of, I don't like what you're doing here, but to be able to say, remember how we talked about how, how much he looks up to his brother? 
I think that's something that there could be more of in this moment, and let's talk about how. And that becomes something that's very, yes, that thing we talked about. Yes, you're not making something up. You're, you we're going back to the things that we said at the beginning were the essentials of the story. And I think that that's something that the playwright really can do and really should do is really spend time with the director before you start and really talk about what is important to you about the play. Because that can become a fantastic shorthand rather than having to say, let's go out in the hall and talk about, you know, how this could work or let's have a four-hour meeting after rehearsal when you got to be back in the room at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, although that's going to happen. But to be able to say, you know, we're on a break between scenes and to be able to say, you know, I'm watching the scene and I know when we talked in pre-production about this, one of the things we talked about being important, you know, which is a helpful thing to be able to say, is that in this scene, this is where she realizes that she shouldn't have moved out. Mm. And I'm not seeing that yet in this scene. Can we just keep that in mind as we're moving forward? That becomes a very, A, very easy conversation to have, um, but be something that I think is, is a director will not feel impinged upon by that because it's not you saying I don't like what you're doing but it's you saying I am so enjoying the way that this is evolving and this is one piece that we both talked about before we began was important and being in the room I, I think that we can be more specific about it and I trust you to know what to do about it. Well, what that, that does, and it makes for a really healthy process, is rather than negating other artists' choices as, as bad, <laughs> for lack of a, less, of a more descriptive term, it becomes a process of selecting the best choices that serve a, a particular principle so that artists feel as if there's time, rather than feeling as if there's times they're getting it right and there's times they're getting it wrong, it's a matter of bringing a bunch of choices to the table, which you know, is inherently good and creative, and then simply sifting through and selecting the ones that best adhere to the principles that uh, you, know, you initially discussed and that you defined at the beginning were important to you. I think that, that allows for a healthier relationship in general because artists don't feel... Artists like, like to be guided. You know, I don't think anybody likes to be negated. Yeah. And I also think that this idea and the communication that that requires and the communication that um, it requires to have the relationship with the director, I also think is really important, both at a workshop level, but also especially at a production level, to have that understanding with the producer and or the artistic director of Definitely. the theater uh, that you're working on. Because the fact of the matter is, when you are talking about someone putting funds into your, into your play, and whether it's putting... $10 million into it to do it on Broadway or doing $10,000 to do it in a, in, a, in a black box in the village. In either case, I can almost guarantee you those people are putting significant resources for either themselves or their organization into producing the play that, uh, that, you're, uh, that you've written. And I think that they're, it sort of buys in interest to the production for both parties. And it's really important to be able to sit down and talk and even write down, you know, the things that for it is totally reasonable for a production organization to say, we really like your play. We don't think this is clear enough and we would and we need that to be clarified for when we do a production of it. Or we think that it touches on this 
idea that's important to us as a company and we would like that to be further enhanced as we move forward. That's totally within the realm of reasonable for someone who is putting forth the resources to produce your play. It's also totally reasonable, if you don't agree with it, for you to turn down those resources. It's not especially fair for you to accept those resources and then refuse to allow the play to evolve in the way that they have said it's important for it to evolve in order for them to put the resources towards it. Um, and that's why it's really important to have that conversation up front. And it's equally important for the playwright to talk about well, this is what is important to me about the play. These are the things that, however it evolves, I don't want to see change because it's what's important to me. Because that also is a very fair thing. For, and a much easier conversation when you're getting into, you know, a, a, you know, you're getting a week and a half from the show and the artistic director's sitting in and is saying, I don't think this is working. For you to be able to touch back and really say, for the artistic director to say, this is something that we really talked about and this scene is a place where, it, where, where we really do need to understand more clearly how important his job is to him because that's not clear yet and it really needs to be clarified. And it's also equally important to say, but for a playwright to say, but I think his relationship to his family is the most important thing and I understand what you're saying and yes, we do need to find a way to bring the job in, but to bring it into that scene would undermine the family relationship so we need to find another solution. And that's a much easier conversation to have and can actually be a very exciting conversation to have if you're basing it on these ideas that you all talked about ahead of time and agreed we're going into this process knowing what is important to everyone and now we're in this production where we are trying to achieve all of these things that we all agreed up front is what our goals are. Because what can be really, really difficult in a production setting is when the director has different goals than the writer, when the writer has different goals than the artistic director, etc., etc., etc. So the time to have those conversations is with the producer or artistic director before you agree for them to produce your play or for them to produce your play and with the director before you get into rehearsal. Mm -hmm. So I think that's uh, probably a good place to wrap up. So if you are enjoying the podcast uh, and are not subscribed, please go to iTunes and subscribe there. Uh, if you would like to let people know that the podcast is out there, please tell your friends and uh, also write us a review and give us stars on iTunes. If you're interested in learning more about the Cry Havoc Company, about our upcoming public events, projects that we have under development, classes, workshops, coaching sessions and also a slate of free early career resources that we have available, please go to www.cryhavoccompany.org. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cryhavoccompany.org. So for myself, Jen, Jenny, Tim, and everyone at the Cry Havoc Company, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavacompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe. <laughs>